0: Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in
1: a crazy world.
0: And I'm Deacon Bob.
1: And you're in a place that's more beautiful than where I am, at least at the moment. So if this is why this, every,
0: everybody should be watching the videos. They're available at DeaconBobRice.com, uh, unless you're driving or running, and I don't encourage you to watch while you're driving, certainly, but uh, yes, I am currently at uh, Saint Petersburg, Clearwater Beach, uh, with a beautiful vista behind me. I, I think occasionally you will hear the sound of uh, seagulls and other. F- that was like on cue. That was awesome. Yes, I like it. Um, I like
1: it.
0: Yeah, and probably an occasional lawnmower because it's still the morning, and this is when they're getting the pool ready for for all the people. Sure. And you are sure. uh, with your normal Spartan uh, yeah. Franciscan look.
1: I'm at the Friary because I've got another meeting at 9 a.m. this morning. So we're just recording from here.
0: Good times. Yeah. Good times. Yeah,
1: And we will talk in so a little course, bit why you were there.
0: Well, let's just start with why we're here for a little bit. And uh, you might see it again in the uh, Buccaneers logo. So I did a few things Good. this weekend. Uh, the second most exciting thing I did this weekend was... Visit my Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the home opener against the Chicago Bears. And Dave, I want to invite you and all the listeners to get on the Baker Man- Baker Mayfield bandwagon. Uh, it's an exciting one. It's rejuvenating his career. He threw for over 300 yards. We beat the Bears in an exciting game. And um, now people are talking about us, finally. Now people are like, you know what? They might win the NFC South, which is a low bar for the NFL. But still, you can only jump over the barrier.
1: Yeah, yeah, people are certainly talking about them. Yep, that's, that's right. David. Are heard you heard one me. and one? Did you, I forget, did you guys win your first game?
0: Uh, let me out? see. No, it would be undefeated. We are 2-0, and oh, my friend. 2-0. Okay. and oh. Remember, we shockingly beat the Vikings in the previous game? And now we oh, beat the Bears, old. which wasn't as shocking.
1: That's right. It's all coming back to me now. You know. Yeah, me. yeah. Well, we'll we'll What's jump on that. Doing?
0: And I mean this in all sincerity. I I have no idea. I was kind of so obsessed no, with the Bucks.
1: I'm ridiculous. assuming there's zero so, 2 though. So you're or right. They? the two teams, the two <laughs> NFL teams I follow the most are the Cardinals and the Broncos. So I walk in uh evening prayer yesterday, and they're both up by at least two touchdowns. By the okay. end of dinner, they're both lose. It's just. <laughs> yeah. Actually the end of Clearly the Broncos game. Anymore. The end of the Broncos game was pretty crazy. A Hail Mary pass for a touchdown down by 2 and they missed the 2-point PAT to go to extra. Uh but yeah, the, they're both playing horribly. It'll be interesting Russell yeah. Wilson. We'll see how long how long they run with him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not a fan of I think I've said this before. Like I Sean Payton has made me unhappy. And um, the coach of the Broncos. Beat you all the time. Yeah. I don't think that's an accurate statement. No, I'm pretty sure we um, have more Super Bowls than they
1: do. Okay.
0: There. Anyway.
1: Okay. Um, I like to think that we beat us because I like like Oh, oh, there you go. There you go. I see how that works. We
0: need to mention um, Aaron Rodgers.
1: Oh, that was awful, wasn't that?
0: Yeah, that is so sad. So, again, if you're a casual fan, uh, the big news for the NFL this year was that Aaron Rodgers uh, was the new quarterback for the New York Jets. He was a, the longtime quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Much drama, as Aaron Rodgers often brings. Uh, so, this was Monday Night Football. We recorded before last week's episode, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I think he was on the field for like two minutes and he tore his Achilles. He is out. The season, and I feel like I I don't really was it
1: actually the first play?
0: It was one of no, it was not the first play, but it was in the first um, first series, it was in the first possession that they had. I'll say I'm not an Aaron Rodgers fan, Uh, I'm not a hater, but man, my heart just went out for all the Jets fans. I mean, so I know what it's like, you know. I mean, we went through a similar thing with the Buccaneers when we got Brady. I thought to myself, all right, what if after all that hype, Tom Brady went down in the first possession and was out for the rest of the season? I would have just, like, curled up in a ball and cried. So love to all the Jets fans. Uh, that's, just, that's just so sad. Now, I think, did they win yesterday? Are they, they still won that game. I think they were doing pretty they, they well. You know, Buffalo. again, I was so obsessed. Okay, they did. So they're 2-0. and No,
1: no, they beat Buffalo well, the, the first game. I don't know. If they won oh, what happened with the not. second
0: game? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I do have something called the internet. And uh, I know, again, the religious no. sisters are leaning in right now. Um, yeah. Because yep, this is the we'll only keep, chance we'll, they we'll get keep to them hear Oh, no,
1: they lost to the Cowboys. They, they lost to the Cowboys. They lost big. to the
0: Cowboys. So Father John yeah, is static and thrilled. Boy, Cowboys are crushing it.
1: Okay, so we buried the lead, as we often do. Uh, Notre Dame That's what again. we do, because
0: we want them to hear. Oh, right. Yep. Fantastic. Who yep, did yep, they Notre play?
1: One again, they played Central Michigan. They've scored over 40 points in each of their first games, first four games. First time they've done that since 1900. Uh, so that's good. I mean, but the thing is, is honestly. They've been playing they, they, since
0: 1900? That's the oh, bigger show. Oh, yeah, shot.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. They, they and won I think the games Lou they should was win. a
0: teenager when they coached in 1900.
1: It was. He was. They won the games that they should win, and they won in a manner with which they should win. The big game is this week. They play Ohio State. Uh, both are undefeated. I think College Game Day is going to be there. Huge, huge game. Uh, we are having actually an it- alumni event in in South Bend uh, in the afternoon. So okay. if you're alumni in the area or a friend of the university, we're going to be having an event there. So that will be a lot of fun. Uh, but, yes. I so we, that Does that mean pretty, you're going to be remarkable. there? Yeah. Yeah. We nice. are having an alumni event. I will be there. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. Because yeah. we does not so seem to the, include me. So so I just wanted to throw that No, it out doesn't.
1: There. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so myself, and so Friday afternoon, no, Thursday evening, a couple of the Friars were like, what are we going to do this weekend? We should do something. And I am just kind of a shocker to everyone throughout. Well, we should go to a baseball game because it's probably going to be the last evening that we're going to be able to go to a game. So four of us went to the Yankees and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wait, it was what? a great game. Yeah, Yankees okay. won in the ninth inning, which was... it was actually it was a great game, but really the the thing that was so bad... So the pitcher obviously pitches the ball, line drive back, hits him in the face. The ball ah. pops all the way out to... You could literally hear the ball hit the pitcher. He was down for probably 15 or 20 minutes. It was just... Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> excuse me. It was just awful. I mean, just... You know, it rarely happens. It's it's actually kind of surprising how rare that actually happens. But there's just an awful thing. He's fine. You know, it's they did an evaluation, concussion, all those kinds of things. He's fine. But still, uh, it, it was it pretty pretty rough. Scene. Uh he did not walk it off. They took him out on a cart oh. and he spent the night in the hospital. But um, oh. I think he's oh. doing okay now. But it was it was okay. it was a great game. It was actually uh, shout out to one the one listener. Perfect evenings.
0: Yeah. I was yeah. going to say shout-out to the listener, and I'm sorry, Dave. I was flying to Florida on Thursday, and a, and a listener offered us free tickets to that game. <laughs> I was, like, on planes and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, text messages and are I just so figured you were out do. of time. <laughs> yeah, text, yes, that, it text, is that. on a
0: plane if you don't have an iPhone.
1: Oh, my uh, gosh, don't Excuse start. me. We're you not going to start. It. Yeah, I need yeah, healing. Text messages I need- are difficult. You need well, you, you're the you're one on who the didn't internet get offered the tickets.
0: If no I did get offered the tickets. I was out of town this weekend. She oh. said, "Do you know anybody else?" And I thought of you and I thought, oh, you're probably out of town." And well, it's my mistake. Yeah, From yeah. now on, I will always offer you the tickets and to the listener that offered that very generous thank you. Whoops. Um, yeah, well, you skipped over thank, one other college all, football thing. Thank you thing. so
1: much. Thank you so much. I want to appreciate it and and this is just tragic that Bob didn't handle this. Anyway. <laughs> Colorado? Colorado. Yeah.
0: Deion Sanders, Showtime. Uh, they played yeah. another Colorado. Um, actually, it's not Showtime,
1: by the way. Hey, it's not Showtime.
0: Primetime. Primetime.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Showtime is uh, Magic Johnson.
1: Uh, Showtime <laughs> is uh, HBO, right? <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah. Uh, De- Deion Sanders is now the coach of, is it Colorado State or Colorado? I think it's Colorado no, State. Colorado.
1: No, it's Colorado. Great, that's
0: what I thought. And then they played Colorado State.
1: Yep. And a, there's of a time, there's Colorado, Colorado wins.
0: And, and like people were rushing the field as if they won the national championship, but you know what? They're having a great time. And that's yeah. totally cool. So, yeah. so good yeah. luck. No, you're not wrong. Uh, we're, we're Team Dion here. We're Team Showtime, Pride Time, O'Shawnee. Um, And uh, that's the end of our sports segment. Cue the sound. I don't know if I even have the sound, so that might have been just an awkward pause. Uh, And now we head on to our promo. (sighs) Franciscan University's homecoming is less than a month away. Come join us October 6th. Through eight for a weekend filled with exciting events. There will be the St. Francis Festival, a nuptial vows blessing, athletic games, a barren beer tent, and more. Also, if you graduated in a class year ending in three or eight, we have a special class reunion and cocktail reception just for you. Come for one event or come for the whole weekend. We'd love to see you, RSVP, and check out the full homecoming schedule. At alumni.franciscan.edu slash homecoming. That's alumni.franciscan.edu slash homecoming. And thanks for being an alumni of Franciscan University. Will you be there for that?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a highlight. You'll be around, won't you?
0: (laughs) I think I should be. Yeah, absolutely. I always enjoy that. It's great. I mean, for me, it's just great to see so many friends, um, you know, back in town over the years. It's actually such a gift. As I travel around, even this weekend, I got to meet uh, a few alumni people that I was in school around the same time with. As, as many listeners know who are alumni, Franciscan is just a wonderful family uh, where you're always bumping into somebody uh, at Franciscan. Yeah. And, and half of them work or worked for the church at some point, <laughs> At least in my, at least in the circles I run in.
1: No, I'm totally looking. I mean, it really is. It's a great. It's it's just a great weekend. So I'm totally looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you, now the reason you went down to Florida, that you said the second yes, most the important most, reason was the football game. The most important reason was
0: the most by a mile was I yeah. baptized my grandson Peter Thomas this That's weekend so cool. at Holy Family Church in Orlando, Florida. Uh, my daughter in law's family it, lives in Orlando, and the wedding uh, they did the wedding up in Steubenville, so we thought it would be good uh, to do something by them. And of course, visiting Florida, you know, it's it's it might have been different if they lived, you know, in, well, I don't want to say the name of any city because I'm sure. Yeah, that's probably a really good choice. That's but, right. Um, but the, that, that that it was in Orlando, and gosh, it just happened to be opening day weekend for the Buccaneers. All you know, the Lord loves me. I mean, all these things kind of line up as. Proof of his goodness and providence, um, but it was a real it was a real gift. Uh, this was my fourth, third and a half baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one baptism where somebody had been baptized in a hospital, and then I finished the ceremony. And then I did another baptize where I <laughs> baptized the kid in the hospital, and then finished uh, finished the rite in church. That was um, Miriam Von Ark, John bon- John and uh, Sarah Von Ark's child. Um, and then I did one full baptism previously, but this was kind of the fanciest one, um, and it was a gift. I mean, it was just oh, uh, great to be with the family and to the families. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that when your kid marries another devout Catholic from a devout Catholic family, um, and just being together, it was it was just all around just all around awesome. You know, baptism. I feel like I feel like baptism is. I don't want to say underrated, maybe forgotten. No, I think that's so, fair. I don't, <clears throat> it's not neglected, maybe neglected. But... Yeah. yeah, you yeah, know, the, we talk about
1: yeah, it. Right? I've often said that if if you were to say like, what's the most significant day of an individual's life? I mean, it's baptism. It it, it right? opens up the life of grace, the life of the supernatural, life of salvation. I mean, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's a beautiful ceremony that we don't fully understand the impact that it has on our lives.
0: Yeah, you know, the Catechism says that baptism is the most important sacrament. And sometimes people yeah. are surprised and like, well, I thought that was the Eucharist. Well, the Eucharist is absolutely the sacrament of sacraments. But we don't get the Eucharist or anything else without baptism. And, you know, the, the two times I've done um, the rite, you know, completed the rite of baptism for those that received the baptisms in the hospital, it, it really made me appreciate the fullness of it, you know, like going into it, what's baptism? Well, you, you pour water three times on the head and you say, I baptize in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. And that's the essential part of the sacrament. But then the, the wider sense of baptism is the immersion into the life of grace and into the community that's present. Um, it's, it's the anointings that happen. And one of the things I was reflecting on and even talked a little bit about at, um, at the baptism is that you know Christ means anointed one, and so does Messiah. Both of that Messiah is the Jew, Jewish uh, Christ is the Greek, uh, and it means anointed one. And the word Christian, you know, like, actually means little anointed one. And so, what occurs in baptism, it's not just a forgiveness of you know original sin, the state of original sin that we're all born into. And by the way, if that's all it was, then that would be fantastic. No complaints there sure. whatsoever. But there's yeah. also the anointing, which is, you know, it's not like God just wants to heal us. He's calling us into mission. He's calling us into life. We're anointed priest, prophet, and king. Um, we're, we're just brought into that gift. And, and it's the graces of being holy. You know, that holiness is more than the absence of sin. It's the presence of God in our life.
1: Um, it's, sure. it's
0: just kind of it's just mind blowing. It's just mind blowing.
1: Really. Yeah, I, I love the anointing. So um, I would say the vast majority of baptism, obviously working in the ministry that I've done, I'm not in a parish. I've not done, you know, hundreds of baptisms. I've done dozens, but they've almost all been uh, for family or for, you know, close friends or couples that I've married and their kids and that. But I really I love obviously the pouring of water is beautiful but the anointings are beautiful and this whole idea that we are anointed priest, prophet and king everybody right the 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 universal call to priesthood that we receive and uh, it's funny I was giving a homily one time on campus and talked about I said who here is a priest and you know nobody raised their hand I said we've all share in the common priesthood and it was funny how some of the people were uncomfortable with that it's like <laughs> particularly our, our sisters, you know. It's like, no, 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 not me, yeah. not me. And it's like, oh, yes, you. You know, we all participate as a priest. We're baptized as a priest, prophet, and king. And and it's, yeah, we need to be able to claim that. But it was really funny how some people were so uncomfortable with that. It's like, you're so progressive there, Father.
0: Well, and you're right. We'll hit this a little bit later when we talk about the Synod. But there is that balance of, um, you know, Many times there there's definitely a kind of clericalism in the church from the laity that want to say, oh no, it's you have the graces to do things. And I've even noticed this as a deacon. That's I mean, it's, it's it's kind. You know, I'm not like, oh, that's a horrible cleric. You know, but you know, they'll say like, oh no, no, you're you're the one who's ordained. You do that. And I'll just say, well, I mean, thank you, but ministry is something we're all doing together. Um, and you have graces in baptism of being priest, prophet, and king. And and that doesn't mean. We're going off on a, the other extreme, which is to say, so we don't need clerics. We don't need the ordained, right. We've all got yeah, it right here. Right. Like, you know, you're. I think we hear these different sound bites from different extremes. And like anything, the goal, I think, when we're trying to find the truth is we can't start by saying, I'm going to be the opposite of the other that I don't like. <laughs> and instead just say, well, what is the church saying? What is the truth of this matter? Because I feel like we're leaving a lot of grace on the table with baptism. I feel like there's a lot of grace that we have access to, and baptism and confirmation, the you know, confirmation maturing of those baptismal graces. Um, there's a lot of grace that we're not calling upon, and in some ways, I think it's also because those are, you know, sacraments of a permanent nature. You know, we re- we're reminded through reconciliation, we're reminded through Eucharist of that grace, but I think we can forget. That you've got this nuclear power storehouse of baptismal and confirmation grace just in you by your virtue as a son and daughter of God mm-hmm. that um, we could just do a lot more with. And I'm saying that out loud to myself as well. Like, you know, yeah. I think I shared this with yeah, well, you when I. Oh, go
1: ahead. Well, just back to what the catechism says it says in baptism, it opens up to us, it's the gateway to a life in the Holy Spirit. That apart from baptism, we're not able to live a life in the Holy Spirit, but because of baptism, it's actually possible that we can live this life, that we can be faithful, that we can love and be patient and be merciful and forgiving in all the ways that we're called to as Christians. But the reality is, I think you're right, just that image of we leave grace on the table, uh, there's more available to us and we just need to call out for that.
0: Yeah, the last thing maybe on it is that and I shared this when I got ordained, but it was such a powerful moment for me. You know, before I was about to be ordained as a deacon, I I was, you know, in adoration and I was just so excited and I and I said, "Lord, I'm just so excited to be a deacon." And you know, the Lord was just loving on me and he just said in such a gentle way, he said, "Be more excited that you're called Christian." You know, like yeah. be, you know, like yes, diaconate or ordination is awesome. But even more awesome is just the baptism, is being brought into the life of grace, and then how cool it is as a deacon that I I get to do that sacrament. You know, and and you know this, Father Dave, but this is more for the listeners. Um, as a deacon, I'm I'm able to do baptisms and weddings, but weddings are um, always between the husband and wife, and you are there as clergy to bless it. But baptism is really the sacrament. I can quote-unquote do I have the ability you know I'm given well we all have the ability to do it it's the right 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 right. authority the authority to do it in the life of the church so it's just it was just awesome but but especially to be able to do that with my own uh, grandson and with my son and daughter-in-law standing there and um, did, it, it's he, just, did he cry you know, did he
1: scream was he how did he behave he was
0: awesome he was he properly behaved. Been. He was a rock star. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah. He was good. good. He was good.
1: Yeah, we not first this acting mean, up.
0: I, th- I thought at first you meant my son. Like, did my son like break down and? But yeah, the grandkid, right? That baby, right? No, yeah, the baby yeah, was yeah, very yeah. well behaved. Everybody. There was no crying or screaming at all. It was a very good weekend, um, good. you know, from top to bottom. But um, just a just a the great family, family life moment too. Most of the family. family. So. um most of them uh we had a couple kids who couldn't make it because of high school sports commitments and other things that were going on but uh generally speaking uh, almost all our family was there and her whole family was there and it was a real gift
1: good good fantastic congratulations grandpa
0: yeah thank you very much
1: what's what are you going to be called? oh i'm called pop pop
0: Okay. Yeah, pop. my pop was pop, and it's kind of a, it's an Irish E thing uh, to, to be called pop. My wife is Nana, and I am pop. Pop. Well, got as it. we go into, uh, speaking of the church, uh, just a, a prayer request uh, for everybody, and even a potential way to help. Uh, we got an email from Jill Wegner, who was a, uh, formerly known as Jill Crespatch. Hi, Jill. Um, and she had a sad Hi, thing Jill. happen to her parish community on August 31st, First, her church, there's a four-alarm fire in her church which burned down. This is in Salem, Oregon, and it was later found out that it was arson, so that uh, makes it even worse. Um, And so they're struggling there because, you know, it's not just a building, it's really their spiritual home. Uh, So I just invite all listeners to pray for the uh, parish family of St. Joseph's Church in Salem, Oregon. Uh, They also have a fire relief fund. I'll put that link on the show notes on our YouTube channel. Uh, and if you can help, of course, that's great. Uh, but I think for many of us listening, if you could just say a prayer uh, for those who lost their church in their fire. And it might even also be worth adding, as as I know this occurs in the United States, those that might lose their parishes through mergers or other things that go on. You know, it's a very devastating thing to lose your parish, um, especially, you know, that on one hand, the church really encourages us to build our identity uh, in our parish, in our faith community, and when it's lost, either through tragedy, well, and I'd say vocations crisis is also a tragedy. Um, it can be a really, really difficult thing. So sure, certainly, for sure. specifically for uh, the parish at St. Joseph, and then just for anybody else who's feeling a similar pain, either in the United States or around the world. As I know, we have many international listeners who might be going through the same thing. You know, it's interesting down here. I guess there's. You know, some places are shrinking and other places are booming. I mean, the parish that I was at, I think they said they had like 5,000 families or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. We seem to be kind of heading more towards mega churches in areas, um, particularly in the southern parts of the country. I don't have an yeah. opinion on that. I just thought I'd say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that you, you see a lot of these places. Honestly, it's largely demographics where people are moving to particular areas. I mean, it would be nice, yeah, it's, it's yeah, some of these parishes in, in the Carolinas, in Georgia, Florida, Texas, they're just, they're just, I mean, I'm not joking, some of these parishes are larger than my hometown, I mean, it's just, they're unbelievably huge, so the, the, the pastor's kind of like a little mini mayor, it's crazy, but, yeah, it's very different.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how, having grown up just in a, I thought I was in a big parish, but it was probably like 1,500 families, so... You know, that's nothing in comparison. You know, I just, I imagine the challenges there are really trying to get a sense of community, a sense of connection, um, you know, that the pastor would try to be more than just an administrator of a small Catholic town. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's blessings yeah, with it, number, you've got You've got some stability going on, which is great. You can do more ministry sure. opportunities.
1: Smaller groups are important. You know, faith communities, small groups where people can gather and, and really have a little Bit more intimate relationship is really key for those larger communities,
0: yeah, yeah, amen. Well, speaking, okay, so we're going to talk a
1: little bit, yeah, a little bit more of the synod because Bob and I were talking, we're going to talk a little bit about you know the three aspects in a second. But we were just as we were talking and preparing for this, you know, the more I think that both he and I have, have been reading, and we've you know, we've been working a part of this process for the last two years in one way or another. But just really dialing in a little bit more over the last couple of weeks as we've been preparing for the podcast. Um, and I was sharing with Bob, it's hysterical because, you know, one of the things the Holy Father is, is praying for is that there is a greater unity amongst us, a greater unity in the Church. But boy, oh boy, the more you read, you know exactly. <laughs> within the first within the first sentence of the article, you know what publication it's coming from. Is it from the National Catholic Reporter? Or is it coming from the Register? I mean, um, right. there is just such division on this. It's it's unbelievable. No, it, actually, I wish it was unbelievable. It's too believable.
0: Yeah, it's very believable. And in some ways, you know, and this is what Francis does, which I, I kind of like. Well, one of the things he said early on in his pontifical, and I, sorry, I won't say the Spanish thing, but he just said, make a mess or make a ruckus. That's what he talked about and this idea that we just can't let things lie. He wants to make a ruckus. So I feel like he's almost like the guy that comes into the tense family, you know, dinner where nobody wants to bring up the problem at the table. And he's like, so let's bring up this problem. And then everybody just starts getting really upset. But he is intentionally poking the bear a bit. Like he's like, look, it's not okay that we're divided and we just won't talk about it. Like I'm I want us to talk about it. And that means talking about it is, is really difficult. And you're right. Now we're seeing reactions from all the various sides, and I think in some ways very honest reactions, like serious concern about where the church is going or, or what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great quote, though, um, that thank you for, thanks for sending this to me. In 2019, he even said this. Uh, after they created a, a theological framework for synodality, um The Pope said this, he said, thank you for this document, because today one thinks that synodality is taking each other by the hand and setting out on a journey, celebrating with the young, or carrying out an opinion poll, what do you think about the priesthood of women? That's mostly what is done, isn't it? Synodality is an ecclesial journey that has a soul, which is the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no synodality. And I just thought, okay, you know what they're saying. (laughs) Because how many times have I heard that, like... Oh, synodality, it's an opinion poll. And, and even the Pope, this was years ago. I mean, this was before COVID, which feels like 20 years ago. Um, but was saying, like, look, I, I get what people are saying about it, but I'm just going to keep saying no. Now, that doesn't mean that that's not what some other people involved in the Senate are about. But at least from his perspective, like, I'm, I'm not up for an opinion poll. This isn't just a kumbaya moment where we all just get together and agree to disagree. We're really going to try to work out some of these difficult
1: issues within the life of the church. And
0: right. it's going to be a rocket sustaining
1: mess, right? Right. And a couple things to to note. And I think that there, to to be clear, that we're hearing obviously more about the synods and synodality over the last many years. But this is not something new. That that the church has had synods for, I mean, some would say forever. It's always been a part of the church. It may have been a different word right. for it. But so this is this is not something new. So this assertion that this is all just Pope Francis's. Idea that's not, that's not fair. It's not accurate. Yeah, so the gathering of bishops and gathering of people in the church to discuss, to debate, discern, that's been a large part of the history of the church. One of the things that's been interesting is, is obviously the Holy Father is calling and he wants to hear everybody's voice. And it's a, a, a process of collegiality, which is important. But it's interesting because there are accusations that the Pope is, is stacking the deck, and, and he's getting people that he wants, and, and again, he's Pope, he has the right to whoever he wants to be there. But some of the individuals that weren't chosen from the local church, um, he is choosing. Now, on one level, he could do that because he wants to hear that voice. This has been a common theme of the Holy Father, is he wants to hear the voice of the people from the marginalized. The other take on this is he is again he's stacking the deck that he's getting the voices that are going to agree with him the voices and, and nobody knows for sure and this is again you can tell by who's writing the article on what they believe but um you know it's Bob sent me an article last week and it was just yeah it was pretty cynical it was pretty and that's like boy that was really hopeful right. Um, yeah, so it, it's hard at times not to not to enter into this process and feel a little bit discouraged or frustrated. Um I, I don't think the Lord no I'm certain the Lord doesn't want us to be afraid. That's it's not the Lord, but um uh yeah, cautiously concerning and discerning is a good idea.
0: Yeah, and certainly, you know, what can we do? We can we can have hope and we can pray.
1: Um you yeah. know, there's
0: always going to be different voices, and and we just don't know what will come of this, but um, at least for me, and I would, you know, this is going to be a shocker being from the theology faculty at Franciscan University, Dave, I might be on the more conservative end of my theological spectrum. I know. Don't fire me. Um, I've just found that, you're right, he likes to listen, just because he listens to voices on the outside doesn't mean he follows them. And um, I've been, you know, Uh, just really happy with the conversations they've been tough conversations i don't agree with everything but no one's asking my opinion on these things but i i do have hope i think he's addressing an important issue in the life of the church and i'm praying for unity i mean really you know it is about the holy spirit and the holy spirit has to show up and make something happen um you know that this wouldn't just be a human activity of committees and conversations if anything the reason the Pope is doing this is because he feels that uh, the Catholic Church has become too bureaucratic in the manner in which it gets things done, and not enough listening to each other and and loving each other.
1: So. No, and that's obviously that's the thing that he he's brought up time and time and time and time again, and and the listening is so important, and the listening to the voices, and and to not not ask the question, and not to listen, and not to reach out to those again who may feel marginalized it's and and that could be a lot of people that you know we've talked about it's the it's the young it's the old it's the people um who are struggling with particular teachings of the church we can't merely ignore them and and be absolutely dismissive because the reality is is depending on on where you stand on this you could be on the other side of the fence i mean one of the things that that's self-evident if you've if you've been paying attention is that there's an entire population when John Paul was Pope that felt marginalized, you know, and that was the more quote unquote, for lack of a better word, progressive. And now it seems like there's it's the table has turned, you know, that you're on the other side. So even, even the pray that the Holy Spirit is going to lead, of course the Holy Spirit is going to lead. But the question is, is what are people praying the Holy Spirit lead? You know, depending on where you're coming (laughs) from, you know, it's so, this is where the other part is is obviously we pray, we trust, and we also have a big picture. The church has been doing this for two thousand years. And there's a danger that we look just in these last two or three years. And and that's often and, and this has been the case for two thousand years, right? Um that that's often a danger that we have to have a little bit of a bigger, broader picture of that, of the church and, and where she's heading.
0: And I think that leads us into our, our point today. So, uh, you know, the, the Synod is focused on these three areas, which is communion, mission, and participation. And we want to talk a little bit about mission because I find it's really mission that draws us together. You know, if, if it's just an internal squabbling, you know, well, you should be like me, well, I should be like you, we actually don't recognize the giftedness of each other and the giftedness that those different perspectives can bring. But when we're focused outward, you know, which was... The missionary mandate, right? Like to go and to make disciples. Uh, when we can see the beauty of those gifts in reaching others, I think that's really a great, a great source of unity. And so he talks about, uh, you know, the, one of the synod themes is talking about how we can have a co-responsibility in the mission, and it's asking the synod to reflect on the question: How can we better share gifts and tasks in the service of the gospel?
1: Yeah, and, and that's that's just a good point, Bob. Because that's ultimately that is what it's about. It's about the gospel. It's about relationship with Jesus. It's about honestly salvation. So sometimes, and that's one of the things the Holy Father has actually warned about. Is he said, "Let's not make this an intellectual exercise. That ultimately, this is about people's lives, about their faith, about how they come to know the truth and the goodness of God." So that's a good reminder.
0: Yeah, in the document, he's, he, he brings up four points, which I think are really beautiful when he talks about what, how can we be united in mission. The first is he says, um, there's a heartfelt call for the renewal of liturgical life of the local church as the place of proclamation through the word and sacrament, emphasizing the quality of preaching and the language of the liturgy. And one thing I've noticed as a through line in everything that Pope Francis has written is uh, a focus on the homily. At, at, the, uh, at, the, at the liturgy, you know, from Evangelii Gaudium, his first document onward, and of course, you know, training to be a deacon, you know, reading these things. I've always noticed it's almost like in every document he says something about homilies and how important homilies are and how that we really need to be more focused as a church on making the liturgy the real place of proclamation. So people hear we need to renew the liturgy, and then we start thinking, oh, Latin, conservative, you know, and he's like, no, 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 he's like, I'm just talking about that the liturgy would proclaim Christ really clearly. Um, right. And again, especially in the quality of preaching, and then he says just in the overall language of the liturgy.
1: No, and he's and he continually stresses, just as you stated, is that we need to talk, interestingly, he says, we need to talk more about Jesus than we do the Pope. You know, and yeah, right. it's, it, again, People can can be critical of some of the things that Francis has said in the manner with which he said it, but he is one hundred percent focused on a, a proclamation of Christ crucified, you know, and Amen. relationship with Jesus. I mean, every time it's an encounter with Jesus. So he's been very, yes. very firm on that.
0: The other three things just they all tie in with each other. But um, and we've and we've said this before, you know, a desire for a church that is poor and that's close to those who suffer. Um, a church that can prophetically oppose new and destructive colonialisms as the opening places of unconditional service and imitation of Christ, essentially just saying that we really want to meet people within their culture. We're not trying to—bringing somebody to Jesus isn't necessarily forcing a Western or any, any other kind of culture upon them, but allowing that culture to resound uh, with the gospel— and then the last part, which I think is very interesting, uh, is in the digital environment. The church is discovering an opportunity for evangelization, recognizing mm-hmm. building networks of relationships makes it possible for people, especially young people, to experience new ways of walking together. And they have a whole digital synod initiative. And, you know, it's interesting. Th- there's always that dynamic, even in youth ministry. Obviously, young people are very much living on their phones. And some people's response is, well, just get them off their phones. And in some ways, yes, I actually really like that. You know, we found a great blessing on our campus of students who have gotten off their cell phones. They're given, they they jokingly call them dumb phones, not smartphones, but they just basically text and call. And they find such a freedom for that. And yet the message of that isn't, and so now let's completely get rid of all ways of digital communication. It's probably more along the lines of, and we better communicate in the right. digital sphere. Right. But it's also recognizing that, okay, that's great for some students at Franciscan, but as evangelists, as catechists, how might we use it in the positive and not the negative way? You always want the human interaction, but yet this is the world in which they live. And I think we're still struggling to figure that out. But again, it's a, it's a thorny question that, again, the Pope is just kind of poking at. He's like, mm-hmm. there's something here. We haven't found it yet, but there's something here. Uh, that we can use this for the gospel and for
1: our combined mission. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, John Paul was one who said this as well, is that we need to find new ways of proclaiming the gospel and new manners with a new fervor. Um, you know, again, it's it seems so odd to us, but, you know, is church for young people, you know, a, a group that's gathered together and group me? I mean, again, th- th- that can't be the only thing it is, but we're so dismissive that, I mean, one thing that I've realized is the kids really do. I don't think it's the best way of communicating. I don't think it's the best way of connecting, but they really do connect through these modern means of communication. And and we can't just be dismissive of it. You know, we look with uh, I think a discerning eye and a discerning heart. But that's that's really what the Holy Father is inviting us to do. Is is we need to talk about these things. We need to to lift lift up the the box, the top of the box, and really have a conversation. And and sometimes that bothers us, you know, especially if it, if it challenges the way that we think or behave or believe. Um, so, and my suspicion is, is that there's probably everybody's a little bit anxious. Everyone who's paying attention is a little bit anxious and nervous, but again, the Lord is the Lord and, and we're going to be fine in all this. Amen. Well, would you close
0: us in prayer, Father?
1: Sure. Oh, Of course, Jesus, we continue to trust in your providence, in your care. Uh, You are the Lord of all, you are the Lord of creation, you are the Lord of history, you are the Lord of the church. We ask your continued blessing to be upon uh, our Holy Father, upon all those who participate in the Synod, that they would authentically seek you and and be with all that they have uh, discerning and be faithful to what you're asking of us. Bless our listeners, particularly bless the community in Oregon who lost their church that they'd know your peace and your presence. May the Lord bless us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father Dave. And thank, thank you God. all who listen, who send in emails and prayer requests. We're praying for you. Uh, you can send us a story or a prayer request at hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu.
1: Thanks so much for sending us uh, tickets to the Pirate Stadium. I was getting on a plate.
0: Thank you, everybody.